God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. What's up? Getting that level perfect. Let's get it perfect. We're going to do it. We may as well do it perfectly. We've been doing it almost perfectly for a long time, like 98%. And so I figured, why not push through and get that extra 1.9%? Now, a lot of people might be asking, why not 2% milk and get it up to 100% whole milk? Well, I'll tell you why. Didn't exist. (laughs) Hadn't been invented yet. Hadn't been invented yet. I mean... Most people look at their kid and go, but what about my perfect angel? Mm-mm. No. Look at it through my eyes. Look at it, your kid, through my eyes. I was in the car with a runner the other day. Check this Check this out. Fly in. Fly in all day. Okay. Get to the thing, and then you got to ride for an hour in a car with a runner to get to the show. And you just pray that this person that you're going to be in a car with is not a punisher. Well, bit of a punisher. The artist is sitting in the back, not saying it, not bailing me out at all. I'm up front, just taking bullets for the team. And this runner goes, uh, do you have any kids? I said, yeah, I've got an eight-year-old little girl who I love very much. I said, do you have any kids? And she goes, no, I've got two dogs, though. No. And I said, well, uh, the artist sitting in the back, I said, the artist back here, she's got a dog, too. And this, this runner chick goes, oh, really? It must be so hard to leave your dog at home. I'm like... I just told you I had an eight-year-old. And you're ta- you're wanting to talk about how hard it is to leave your fucking dog at home on tour. Well, it's like when somebody has it's when somebody has half a dick, that's all they got. So they're like, they whip it out and they're like, check out this half a dick. And then the person's like, mm, check out this dick. And it's a whole dick. <laughs> But here's the thing, having a a pet compared to having a kid is like having a half dick compared to a full dick, but where everybody's blind and you can't touch somebody else's penis. So you got to just take their word for it. I mean, she doesn't know what she doesn't know. And I can't really blame her for that. Right. Um, She doesn't know what she doesn't know. And all she could relate to is that when she's not around her dogs, she feels sad and painful and. Right. Me telling her I have an eight year old home, that just made no sense to her. Then the person in the other in the car who had a dog, she's like, Oh my God, that's hard, right? It's like, okay. Right. We all need something to love. You you guys had dogs before you had kids, and those dogs meant a lot to you. Yeah. And then once you had kids, you buried all the dogs in the backyard. <laughs> they did all they did all go bye bye. Not all to immediate death. Um, but um well, what happened was, yeah, it's interesting because people say this. I don't know if you experienced this. They're like, oh, when you have a kid, you don't realize you can love things so much. And so it's not that like your finite amount of love just went to the kid. Your love for everything grew. And I experienced some of that. Um, but what happened with us was just we didn't sleep for 15 months and the dogs were barking and waking my baby up. And one night, I this was the the last straw for me. It was my turn to like wake up with Nova and we had like been freezing breast milk or putting whatever. I can't remember. I can't remember. It was so horrible. It was so horrible that as soon as I was out of this phase of life, empty trash can. That's what happened. But 
It's like 3 a.m. We haven't slept in over a year. We're running low on the breast milk because my wife had to go back to work because in America, they give you a whopping six weeks off, which is insane. And we were running out of breast milk, which was scary at the time because we were trying to figure out if we're going to go into formula or whatever. My wife quit producing the, the milk. I go in and I grab the last bit of breast milk, which is my baby's food. And I stepped in dog piss in my kitchen and dropped the milk, holding my baby at three. And that's when I knew doggy go bye-bye. Right. That's when you cue the laugh track. <laughs> for doggy going bye-bye? No, for when you step in the pee. For the sitcom? And then you hear that canned studio laughter. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded just like it, dude. Well, all you're hearing is dead the laughter of dead folks. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty neat to think about. But anyway, I get it, man. People without kids, they want to sh- they their dogs are their kids. I get it. Their pets are their kids. And then people with kids, I would get it. That's insufferable too because everyone thinks their kids a little perfect angel. It's everyone's having a tough time. That's all it is. I've never thought of my kids that way. I do think some people maybe do, but just because it's hard for me to imagine anybody thinking anything differently than the way I think about things, I, I do think maybe that's not so true about people thinking that their kids are perfect. I mean, what do you, how do you feel about your kid? Like, I feel like I'm obviously I'm going to have some prejudices against my kid, but I feel like I'm pretty sober, a sober judge of what my kid can do and what they can't do. I think it depends on what's going on. Like, We've had a kid like punch Nova at the park or whatever. And you're like, hey, where are your parents? You go and you're like, hey, your kid's hitting my kid. And they're kind of like, my Johnny? You know, and it's like, yeah, if you can imagine it, your kid's a piece of shit sometimes. And he punched my kid. Like, or in a competitive situation, like we do a lot of gymnastics and cheerleading and or just people that want to show you the endless photos and videos. I've never really done that either. And I feel the same way as you. I I you know, my mom is like a great grandmother and she's always complimenting Nova. And I'm always like seeing it from the point of view of like the dad where I'm like, she sees like her perfect grandchild and she'll be like, oh, she's so driven, you know, she's so driven at gymnastics. And I'm like, well, she actually gives up a lot. Something I'm really frustrated with her about is that like she gives up easily. Does Scarlett give up easily? Uh, Yes. Here's the problem, dude. There's two parents. Now, if there was one parent... If there was one parent and that parent's name was Bob Schneider, here's what would happen. I can't fill in the blank. Daddy, I can't fill in the blank. And then here's daddy. Figure it out. Period. <laughs> That's the period <laughs> dropping on the ground. <clears throat> but daddy, I can't fill in the blank. <laughs> And then what? what's that next sound? The sound of daddy silence. Because daddy already, daddy already responded. Daddy ain't responding 35 times with figure it out. Right. Daddy responded, answer, stay same as before. No need to repeat. Are, are you like a robot from, are you a computer program from the 70s now? Daddy robot. <laughs> Have only five things to say to daughter. I love you. Figure it out. Right. No. Right. Bedtime. Brush your teeth. Make pee pee. Um, 
so but yeah but my wife she does this thing and it's cray cray where she wants to have a discussion with a seven-year-old i'm like what are you doing you're the adult you are the de facto Stalin. I was trying to think of Stalin's first name. Is it Roger Stalin? Roger Stalin. <laughs> I, think back? Ri- I think it's Ricardo Stalin. Ricardo. St- what is his first name? Joseph Stalin. Jesus Christ. Of course it's Joseph Stalin. I knew that. <laughs> What's wrong with my brain? No, dude, we have the same thing. We're like, well, me and Isabel will be trying to like figure out something logistically about the family, like time or something or right. food or something. She's like, she's like, well, just ask Nova what she wants to do. I'm like, what? Ask Nova what she wants. Like, no. like, I'm not talking about like what movie does she want to see. It'll be something like logistical that about that we have to figure out as adults. And she'll be right. like, she'll be like, just check with Nova about that. I'm like, no. There's no checking. I'm gonna it's tell like, Nova gonna, what yeah. we do. Right. I'm gonna figure it out. And then that's the way it's gonna be. And then if she doesn't like it, I'm gonna give her a worse alternative. I, I will sometimes give my kids choices to to make believe like they have choices. So I'd be like, well, bedtime is in five minutes. Oh, I don't want to. Okay, we can do two minutes. You want to do two minutes or five minutes? Five minutes. <laughs> Good choice. I I do the same thing, but I try to I try to sweeten the deal a little more than that. I'll say something like, "All right, you have to go to bed now, but you don't have to go to sleep if you're reading a chapter book." And she's like, "Well, how long can I stay up if I'm reading a chapter book?" And I'm like, "As long as you want." Because guess what my daughter doesn't like to do? Read chapter books. And I'm like, well, I'm going to give you the options, baby. And you get to be the arbiter of your own destiny with these two options. I always love that about uh, the the whole like premise of like Jesus and stuff. Like They're like, God loves you so much. Like He wants to give you like the free choice. And the options are love and worship and adore God, this one version of God, or hell. Burn in hell forever. <laughs> <laughs> It's very similar to, uh, yeah, it's very similar to uh, what you would, the options you would give a child. Well, exactly, because it's the people who made God up made him to be a parent. You know, he's a dad, he's a heavenly father, and that's what parents do. That's true. I'm going to give you two options. One of them is (laughs) unchoosable. I found it interesting. I found this out later on, but I found it to be very interesting that most people's relationship with God is very similar or identical to their relationship with their father, Mm. their actual father. So if you have a great relationship with your dad, uh, then you might have a great relationship with God. Now, I had a very conflictive, is that even a word? Conflicted? No, conflictive. I feel like that's the best word I've ever made up. (laughs) Anyways, I had a conflictive relationship with my dad, and uh, so I had a conflictive relationship with the Lord. Guess what? Conflictive is a word. Tending to conflict. Conflicting, causing conflict. Exactly. I knew that. And I'm smart. Well, I feel like one of the other reasons that the originators of religion made it a God, made God like a dad, is because I think it also appeals to people that did have a bad time with their dads, where they're like, look, your dad was a shithead, but your heavenly father does love you and cares about you. Well, I think I think ultimately hit it on the head initially, which is like they needed a dad around keeping track of every like you had to have somebody in place that was keeping an eye on things because you couldn't because you're in a castle a hundred miles away. So somebody had to be there keeping an eye on your kids. 
and your kids were your taxpayers. And it's interesting how some adults really respond to that. Like I worked with a musician once and uh, I was the band leader in the band. He's a grown man. He's a musician, competent dude, pretty smart dude. Who's this guy? He's a guy that I was in a band with when I was the band leader. He was the Leonard Nimoy? Yeah, it was Leonard Nimoy, Spock. Cool. And uh, he wanted to be just told what to do. Like he just wanted me to tell him what to do. So right. if it, if so if it was like a creative decision or musical decision or like hey we're gonna Sex, be doing a sexual decision <laughs> or it was anal sex he was like dude just put it in me let's be done with it yeah yeah but I found that so weird like because I would be like and it'd be something like um we're flying to Canada to do a strip down acoustic set and he'd be like hey what kind of what do you want me to bring like do you want me to bring like a uh, a trap kit with like a hat and some brushes and like and I'm like hey man bring whatever a good drummer would bring. I was like, I, the, that's not my idea of band leader. My idea of band leader isn't for me to micromanage every facet of how you play your instrument. I'm trusting you to be good at it. I'm managing that part. But he, I think he's like that in a lot of his life. He just wants someone to figure it all out for him. He's not a weak guy, not a dumb guy. He's right. just soothed by the idea that someone else around him is going to just tell him what to do. There's something nice about not having to make any decisions and being told what to do for sure. Well, and then you're not responsible if it's not good. You know, you get, if that show went poorly, for example, right. he'd be able to be like, well, Clint, Clint told me to just to bring the shaker and the tambo. That's why I didn't bring my full kit or whatever. Someone like me who's kind of ready to make decisions, like I'd rather just make decisions and solve problems and get us going and I'll take the yeah. hit. I, yeah. I want the credit if it's good, but I'll take the hit if it sucks. Okay. Um, you end up just being in the line of fire a lot more. Are you that guy in your life? I like to make the decisions rather than being told what to do. Like, if you tell me what to do, I'm immediately going to respond with a, uh, I think I'll do it whatever way I feel like, which is usually not the way you're telling me to do it. Now, that's a problem that I have. Um, I don't know what that's about. I think it's poor parenting. I'm going to blame it on my parents. <laughs> <laughs> I love that at this stage. I'm yeah. not going to take responsibility for that <laughs> part of who I am, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely there. Like, and if somebody like again, if somebody's like, "What would you like to do?" I always prefer that. So I always I like like with with when I'm parenting, I always like to ask my children what it is they want to do, like. Daddy, what time's bedtime? What time would you like to go to bed? And like have a discussion about it because there was no discussion in my house. Like with my mom or dad, well, with my mom, I could do whatever I wanted. But with my dad, there was no talking things out or through. There was no rational thought process. Well, but we were just talking also though about about not including our kids in those convos. Like I'm picking the places where I do that, where I where I allow them to chime in. Yeah. Uh, I'm not making it a regular... I'm not like going to the grocery store and going, hey, what should we buy today at the grocery store? Yeah. Seven-year-old person. No, I'm like, you're coming with me to the grocery store. Can I have candy? No. Like, because you say at one time, you buy... Dude, I've never bought my kid candy in line at the grocery store once, ever. And guess what? Guess what they don't do when we're in line at the grocery store? ask for it they don't because they know the answer yeah no we have the same thing like some of uh um some of the other kids that i've been around if you're in like a, a mall or a store they're like they want a 
prize or whatever, like a toy. Yeah. And right. no, and Nova doesn't even ask for it because we never do that. Yeah. You set a precedent every time. And that's the thing with my wife. I'm like, what are you doing? You're setting a precedent for all of the future moments. You have to, it's like training a dog. You have to nip that shit in the bud. Otherwise you're going to have like a, it's, it, get, it grows out of control. Well, I do tend to think of almost all of my interactions with Nova in terms of what is this going to do to her for the future? Like, I right. think I have a problem where I, I have a hard time being in the moment more and just being a little more myself. Cause I feel like I'm always in like instruction mode, like everything and not even just in like, now see here that, you know, Columbus didn't sail. Not, not like that kind of instruction, but like even emotionally how I'm behaving, how I react to her when I'm impatient, how I shout at a football game, you know, what her seeing me have a beer, like yeah. everything I'm thinking like is making her into who she's going to be as an adult. I think that I do exactly the same thing. And I don't think my wife does it at all because I'm like, hey, she's looking at you and me. She's looking at what we do and then going, that's what you do to be a human being. That's what you do to be a human man. That's what you do to be a human woman. That's the way you interact with the person that you love and care about. And she's seeing it all in her house. And to my son, same thing. And then you can tell your kids anything you want, but they're just going to look at you and they're going to emulate that. Yeah. And then also, obviously, depending on what kind of personality they have, what kind of motor was installed in that machine when it was born, that's going to affect that. But how they conduct themselves, how they, what language they speak, what accent they have, how they conduct themselves with others, that's all learned by looking at me and my wife and you know other people, but mainly us because that's who they're around the most. Yeah. And and so I, I I do the same thing you're thinking about, which is like every interaction I have is going to have some I don't know what the repercussions are. I don't know what she's going to she may forget this moment and never think about it again, or it could be the driving thing in her life forever. You just don't know. <laughs> I know. Right? I know. It's well, I I guess you and I have turned into a adult men who have thought a lot about how our parents whatever they did or didn't do, we've thought a lot about how that's affected us and turned us into who we are. So it makes sense that we're preoccupied with that as parents. Right. And I, I, I think, um, I think most people do that to some extent, maybe not to the, you know, like you and me obviously take things to 99.9999. I think most people take things to like maybe 65. Most people can drive 55. <laughs> But we can't. It's me, you, and Sammy Hagar. (laughs) Sammy, Clint, and Bobby, the thanks daddies. We can't drive 55. We can only drive 99.9999. Oh, dude. The opening lyric of that song, one foot on the brake, one foot on the gas. Hey. Speaking of Sammy Hagar, he introduces uh, Eddie Van Halen uh, doing Eruption on YouTube. Like, back in their heyday when they were wearing scarves and stuff and, and big baggy, like genie pants. <laughs> and um, that's otherwise known as the nineties, the nineties <laughs> and dude. <laughs> oh, I know what it was. I was watching, I was watching these uh, black guys react to the Eddie Van Halen solo. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, what am I doing? I, and then I watched that, and then I watched like three or four other videos of the same guys that were super likable, just them reacting. And I'm like, 
why am I why am I watching this? It's called Lost in Vegas. I know it's so weird. I have a huge issue with it. It's immensely popular. Like everyone loves those guys. But I'm like, how did we turn into a culture that rewards these two knuckleheads for doing nothing? No, these guys, these guys are new guys. They're they're not huge. They're they're they only have like five hundred thousand subscribers. They I think they've only been doing it for about a year. They're called the Cartel Brothers. But but okay. but they're similar. They're exactly like the ones you're talking about because I've seen those other guys too. They, and those guys have like forty million followers on YouTube. It's called Lost in Vegas. The the guys I'm thinking of. It's two black okay. two black dudes. And it's and they're obviously funny and like interesting people. And what the rub of the whole bit is. It's like it's the best episodes with them reacting to like Megadeth and Metallica because and the whole like kind of undertone is these are two black guys who don't listen to a lot of white music. Sure. And that's the gambit, right? I would like to see two like indie Weezer fans react to like hardcore hip hop. I, I doubt that would be as taken as well, but it's like, man, people and then now that those guys are famous, there's gonna be a million offshoots of it. And it's like these guys are famous. For reacting to talented people, and it it bothers me for some reason. I don't know. It it it, it rubs me. Well, it's interesting that you and I spend a lot of time. We've spent a lot of our lives learning how to do something, take a lot of time doing it, make videos, make music, and then put it out on and and then you can't get four hundred people to watch it. And these guys are just reacting to something. And millions of people are watching it. So yeah. it, it is it is a weird thing. It's like I didn't I didn't join Spotify for a lot for years. For a couple of years when Spotify came out, everybody's like, Oh, you should get Spotify. I'm like, fuck them, they're the enemy. They've destroyed me making money selling records. And then eventually I was like, fuck it. I can get all the music in the world for twelve bucks a month or fifteen bucks a month. I'm doing that. I'm not buying music anymore. And once I did it, I never looked back. And I think what's going to happen at some point probably is you and I are going to at some point start like, well, fuck it. Why make music when we can just react to shit? Like I'm telling you, you and me doing reaction videos to whatever. That's what's going to fucking <laughs> that's what's going to make this podcast fucking famous and what's going to make us famous. Wow. That's really depressing. And I'm but, in, and I'm in. <laughs> dude, as soon as I said it, I was like, why are we not doing that right now? It's been weird to see a lot of artists get cajoled into basically becoming tick, like trying to go TikTok viral every day. Like I'm watching these like Well that's that's what your guys doing. Ryan Adams is doing it now. Well everyone is that I can tell and like my friends that have record deals and like are trying trying to do stuff, they're basically being told in all their meetings like you need to make more to you know, you made a good record, you look good, you got a good band, you're on a good tour. Um you got nominated for some awards. This is all fine. What we need it's for you to make some TikTok videos because one of those might go viral. And if one of those goes viral, then none of this matters. And it's like, I mean, I hate to sound precious about it, but these are artists. Dude, you're an artist. The world needs to hear your music. And artists can't make music when they're worried about making TikTok videos every day. You know? Dude, 
dude, my manager sent me, and he's probably going to listen to this, and he's going to be like, oh, shit, because I haven't told him this. But he sent me a, a TikTok um, of this guy who's like 18. He's six foot seven, really good looking, super talented, amazing songwriter. Um, he's like, check out the last five TikToks, or it might have been reels on Instagram, of this guy. And it's him being funny, uh, doing these little TikTok videos where he's playing this amazing song that he wrote. And I'm like, are you, is my manager sending me this because he wants me to commit suicide? <laughs> is he like, is his long, is his long game plan managing my career that I kill myself right now? So that my music becomes more popular because I'm dead? Is that what? Because that's the only reason I can think of for him sending me this video. Does he want me to snap my fingers and become an 18-year-old mega-talented guy with 6.5 million TikTok followers? Is that what he wants me to snap? He Does he... It's one of two things. He wants me to snap my fingers and turn into an 18-year-old with 6.5 million TikTok followers or kill myself right now. It's so weird because so many people have that. Like Having 6 million followers isn't even what it used to be. It's just such a weird time. And it is funny how people try to relate to you. I came off stage at a gig the other day. <laughs> one of the sound guy goes, the first thing he said, I played a 75-minute show in front of all these people. The guy goes, man, that 335 was giving you some trouble tonight, huh? <laughs> I was like, what? What do you mean? He's like, oh, man, feeding back on you all night, huh? I was like, no, I didn't hear it feedback one time. Oh, guess it was just in the house then. I'm like, what a weird fucking thing to say to me right when I come off stage, dude. Dude, people who've complicit you. I'm like, what is that? Complicit? I've never heard that. Where they give you a compliment, but they also kind of insult you at the same time. Well, this was neither. He, <laughs> there was no compliment anywhere in there. He was just telling you that there was some shit going on that you weren't even aware of. You were having a good time. He was telling me it sounded bad and that the assumption was that it was because, because of me. He's like, <laughs> man, that guitar is giving you some trouble tonight, huh? Like, I, love, I, love, I love it when people come up, to, come up to me after the show or even during the show and they're like, hey, we can't hear you. Hey, guess what? Guess what I don't have in front of me? The volume control for my vocals. <laughs> That's another dude. Go talk to him. <laughs> that guy's right over there. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh. hey, we can't turn up. We can't hear you. It's not a it's not an amp. My voice. It comes from the heart. The the moral of this episode is that people just don't know what they don't know. And people don't know what they don't and, know. And though. you have to you have to find a way to forgive them. And I haven't found it. <sighs> but I, I either. But I've got to try to because Expecting them to suddenly know what they don't know. Guess what that is? Impossible. Can't you just pile your anger on them over and over again until they just die from all the anger that's piled on them from you? Oh, I've tried it for 39 years. <laughs> it hasn't worked yet. <laughs> Dude, I'm the anger pile honorer. Look that but look that word up on fucking Google. Take that, Joseph Stalin, you bitch. <laughs> Joseph Stalin. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> 